From New York City, this is Mark to Markets. I'm your host, Mark Penziner. On this podcast, we discuss topics near and far from personal finance. Any questions or comments, I can be reached at mark.penziner at bernstein.com or feel free to call me directly at 212-969-6655. The focus of today's episode is a bit back to COVID and the pandemic, but maybe a bit more optimistic story about a company who's thriving and surviving in the new reality. You've seen in your community all across the country, heck, the world, outdoor dining structures being built everywhere, maybe nowhere more so than in New York City. And to learn more about this new dining and real estate reality and the buildup of outdoor dining facilities, I brought in a leader in the space. Today, I'm joined by Arshan Makwami. He's the principal at DB Partners. Arshan, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me, Mark. Arshan, very basics. Tell us about the business. Yeah, so I mean, I think there's uh, two sides of the business. One is a pre-pandemic and potentially and hopefully a post-pandemic business. And then the other is uh, uh, surviving within COVID. Um, so prior to COVID, we were um, design-build professionals. And what that means is uh, clients would come to us with an idea, a concept, um, with a budget in mind, and, and we would help them sort of design that and build that to reality. Um, our projects went from coast to coast, and they're actually still going from coast to coast. Um, and so now we're uh, in the current pandemic. Our business has sort of evolved into um, uh, adapting restaurants in New York, which is what we're here to discuss. And and the business has and and always was New York City based. Um, yeah, our office is in New York City. And prior to uh, I would say March sixteenth, we were flying you know to California, Texas, uh, taking the train to Virginia. Our our projects were were very much national, um, and so we would we would be traveling on a on a weekly basis to those projects to make sure they were still on track. Um, but our our headquarters is in New York. So the the pandemic and shutdown really starts and epicenters in New York in March. You're based in in New York City. Who has or or, or what's the moment where you say, hey, we could pivot this and, and help with this dining structure? Like where where did the idea come from? Yeah, in in March, I think March, April, May for us were were very scary months. I think outside of just professionally, personally in New York City, I, you know, people didn't know what was happening with the virus. We were we were just thinking about what is ha- what's happening from a health perspective, what's happening to our existing clients. Some of our clients were, um, you know, uh, dropping off, not going forward with projects. Others were moving forward, and so for us, it really, I would say about May, um, we started getting some inquiries from restaurants in New York City uh, about how they can uh, expand their footprint. And it really came from the New York City guidelines allowing restaurants to have outdoor dining options. And so, so uh, we started working. Sorry. No, go ahead. And, and we started working with these restaurants and, and envisioning how they can add more tables and because people weren't eating inside. And so they can, at first, at least at a minimum, match the table count and their revenue on a daily basis, uh, especially when their costs are going up, right? Like they're buying masks now. Their, their operational costs are increasing, and at a minimum, we had to to level out the number of tables that they had for their business. You brought up the portion um, or the notion of New York City dining guidelines. This may be broad, but how has the city been in writing those guidelines, changing those guidelines, adjusting them? I mean, has, has this been just a, 
a pull your hair out six to nine months politically, so to speak, for you guys in the dining industry? Or, or has it been a little bit like, hey, let's just bootstrap it and get it done? Uh, it's a, a little bit of both, right? I think even outside of dining, and New York City has been uh, going back and forth even on schooling. And so you can imagine if you're a business and your you know, restaurant gets shut down, uh, you know, if you're shutting down indoor dining, for example, or outdoor dining or any dining, any food that you've purchased is has to be thrown away, right? So a lot of restaurants struggle with uh, immediate changes, changes that aren't communicated in advance so they can prepare their business. So any, any exogenous shock in their business model affects their bottom line. And so we're there to sort of help them navigate different potential uh, future policy decisions that are made by the city as a result of, you know, things that happen. You know, I don't think the city ever envisioned the way that we're outdoor dining now. I do think the city is seeing potential for future revenue streams, uh, both from charging restaurants for utilizing the street or the sidewalk um, to bring in additional revenue into the city over the next few years. You know, it's a, that's an interesting point. We're, we're all so focused on today and today meaning life during the pandemic. But I'd ask you this because you're touching on it. Do, do you think this is an opportunity for post-pandemic where both for restaurants and for the city, there's different ways to make money that wouldn't have been thought of prior to this? Yeah, even pre-pandemic, I think the city was moving in a direction that was very um, anti-car. Um, and, now, and now we're sort of seeing it um, uh, can they make revenue instead of just adding bike lanes, right? So where the city was previously sh shutting down a lane and adding uh, a bike lane, which isn't revenue generating, uh, now they're seeing that potentially they could add revenue in the future. I mean, obviously the city hasn't come out saying that they're charging, you know, fees for outdoor dining, but I, I wouldn't see why that space would be free in the future. It's, it's, is it free today? Um, it is free today. Yeah. There's no, uh, there's no permit fee as of right now. I think this is uh, the city. I would be hard pressed to see the city charge money when indoor dining is limited, right? Right now it's survival mode for these businesses. I don't think this is a time to, to try to uh, take additional revenue from these businesses. So th that brings up the, the, I think the, the question that's on people's minds is outdoor dining profitable for restaurants or, or maybe I should phrase it differently. If you have outdoor dining, is your restaurant profitable or is it just like, do what you can to survive and outdoor dining is just one way to help survive. In the summer, I think restaurant, a lot of restaurants were doing better, right? I think if you walked around New York city, downtown New York, and you pass by a restaurant, a lot of them were, were fairly packed. If you go to New York city now where it's 39 degrees and it's going to be getting even colder in the future and windier, I think restaurants are going to have a harder time filling those seats and those tables. So I think it was a, a very much a seasonal need to add in as much revenue as possible to pay their rent in the winter months and then hope for a very short and mild winter so they can, they can go back to that capacity and survive. So I, I, I think it's sort of a, a, a balancing act, whereas revenues may have been flatter over the course of a year for restaurants, we're seeing a trend where their revenues will sort of be more cyclical uh, and be more seasonal like you see with some uh, vacation spot restaurants that survive off the summer months. 
So, you, so a, a restaurant comes to you and says, hey, you know, it's 39 degrees out. It's not going to get any warmer anytime soon. We're thinking about doing some outdoor dining and what can you build for us? It, it, when, and I'm going to ask you about this in a second, cost structure to do that. Do, do they look at it and say, and maybe this is analysis you do with them, hey, if you guys can get eight tables, it's worth opening up with outdoor dining and 25% inside and takeout. Or, or do some of them say, look, I'm tight for cash now. It's going to cost me X to build this with you, Arshan. Like, I'm better off closing my doors and and being closed for four six months. Who knows? Yeah. So we we actually help people. We advise a lot of our clients, especially now, not to build. Uh, that's probably the first thing that we say. We say you likely will not build these. T- yeah, we're we're not in we're not in business to make a, a quick buck. We're in we're doing this really to build relationships um, with restaurant owners. Uh, with people who are staying in the city uh, for a long period of time, um, we're we're a very young business and we're we're young in the industry. And so our our main thing is building relationships with people who plan on growing, who have you know solid relationships in the city, and and making sure that we can support you know these businesses grow and survive. So we'll walk through how many tables that they actually have inside, how many they used to have, um, what structure and what layout makes the most sense how they can organize dividers. Should those dividers be permanent? Should they be movable? Uh, where should the heaters be located? Do they have enough power for those heaters? Um, what the actual temperature would be like and at sort of what point people would be willing to stay outside. So I would say um, anything below uh, 40 degrees or even 45 degrees, it, I, I don't think it's as feasible to sit outside. Um, I, that's a personal opinion. You know, I, I'm sure if you dress up in your ski equipment, you can definitely sit outside in the winter in New York and, and eat uh, eat pasta. But I don't think many New Yorkers will be opting to sit in, you know, the snow and 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 eat. But uh, I've seen stra- I've seen stranger things over I, I the course this, of this year. I have year. this very funny view of my head of walking down, you know, Broadway or West Broadway with people in ski clothes and hot toddies and warm wine thinking like this isn't you know saint moritz it's downtown manhattan but everyone's in snowsuits it's a it's a funny visual i'm not i have no crystal ball so i i it very much could happen and and i think people's uh, desire to go out and escape the home is uh uh, it's a it's a reality that we live in now, right? There's there's few options for a lot of people who are trying to get a little break. I'm sure there's a big gap here. What what are the costs of these structures run? Um, any uh, in the spring, so I think there's a sort of a go through the gamut of sort of options. In the spring, we were building structures that were very much in the sort of five thousand dollar mark, and those weren't meant to you know protect you from the elements in the winter months. Now we're seeing any structure run from really 20,000 upwards of, you know, $100,000 for a structure. Um, I think the sweet spot really is in that $25,000 mark. Um, but for the most part, you know, some, some restaurant owners will say, hey, I, I really have, you know, $15,000. What, what could I build with that amount of money? And we'll work to that, right? And some restaurant owners say, all right, I want to build this amount now with the money I have. And if this works and if our business, you know, continues to, to grow and we, you know, we can survive, we would like to expand this. And can we build it in such a fashion that we could expand it in the future? Are, are these, for people who aren't in New York City, you and I both are, so, so we see these a lot in our day-to-day lives, but, but 
help for people who, who aren't walking around Manhattan or who avoided Manhattan because they're not commuting to work anymore. Are, are some of these, and I know the answer is yes, but some of the ones you're working on, you know, decor branded in, in a way that there's, whether it's plants or it has the motif of being at a Mexican restaurant versus an Italian pasta restaurant, or is it, or is it really just, you know, brick and mortar dividers, tables, tablecloth, chair, you know, a heater, period? Depends on the uh, depends on the price point. I think some restaurants are, I have this budget and let me live within this budget. And other restaurants are very much, this is my brand and I need to maintain this brand. And if it costs me extra money to maintain the brand, I'm willing to invest in it. And some restaurants are sort of um, in between where there are certain key elements. Color, for example, is a very simple one with paint. Um, having sort of texture in the space, like how can you add... Um, more woods or the lighting color and, and making things feel like you're inside of a restaurant rather than you're within a, uh, uh, what would, you know, really is an outdoor deck almost. So in a lot of people's backyards, they may have a deck, um, you know, they have parties on that deck, they have, you know, barbecues on that deck. So imagine um, a deck built on a New York City street or in a New York City sidewalk, um, obviously structurally built so that it can hold that those people and that density. But in the same manner, it is a fully enclosed, uh, sorry, it's a enclosed deck uh, on 50% of it so that the elements sort of don't interact with you. You can imagine uh, the wind in New York City is a, a little bit more extreme. So protecting people from that is important. Um, you, you said the term outdoor deck like at your home. And I think this leads me to a, a, a topic and a question I've heard a lot about. It is hard to get. <clears throat> hard to get and then the pricing of materials, right? We've heard all about the, the housing, maybe home improvement, do it yourself, boom, right? Everyone wants to redo their kitchen right now. Everyone wants to add a pool, add a deck, add a hot tub. So wood, materials, sheetrock, all of that stuff is either A, hard to get or B, much more costly than it was before. Um, how, how are you guys dealing with that? Are you seeing that? It, yeah, the cost of materials are increasing. I think the fires in California drove up the cost of wood. Um, you know, the the week of the election, there was no wood. There, like we could not any. We had to use our stock. Anything that we wanted to purchase in addition was out of stock. Every for those people who are not in New York, uh, the retail corridor in New York was boarded up. Um, we did not participate in boarding up New York. We're very anti. Closing up New York, our our emphasis is on opening up New York and and oh, keeping New York open for for, for for protecting um, for those who aren't in New York. There there were worries about safety post election, and people were boarding up their retail glass doors and windows. So that actually, you just couldn't get your hands on on wood at that point. That week was it, everything was sold out. So we we had a few clients that wanted to actually build right like right after the election. Uh, assuming that they would, you know, they would outlast that, there would be no damage to the structure that we would build after the election. Um, and we had to delay one project because there was actually no material we could purchase that day. Um, but, you know, for the most part, prices have been increasing. The price of heaters have been increasing exorbitantly. Um, and it's just a function of, of, you know, how much people are trying to build in their own homes. Um, hopefully that does normalize, but uh, for now, the prices have been steadily increasing. Unfortunately, is that supply chain still in place? You know, we talked about the the food supply chain in March and April. What's the supply chain look like? Maybe it's fine. It's just overworked on the building side. Is that what you're seeing, or are there breaks in it? 
for the most part, we're we're uh, calling vendors, and so if a vendor potentially has a shortage, we'll call a different vendor. Um, so we're we're being dynamic with how we're sourcing materials. Our um, I would say people are being very open, communicating, and and really trying to work with us, and and, and very understanding of what they have and what they don't have, and see and holding stock and reserving stock based off of what we're typically ordering. So just you know, similar to many other industries, the relationships that we have with our vendors allow us to source materials um, uh, sooner or lock in the materials that would otherwise be ordered and out of stock. And, and it takes labor to build these. So how's the labor market from where you sit, right? We look at it on Wall Street about these big macro numbers and unemployment, but, but you need people to hammer nails. What's the labor supply like in, in your world? Yeah, so uh, previously um, our team was at WeWork and we've worked with a lot of our contractors for six plus years now. Um, and so uh, there are people who in, in March, April, May were struggling with work. And so uh, for us, this was an opportunity to, to get them back, um, have them have a steady paycheck again and making sure that they are, they're staying busy. And I think for a lot of people, even outside of the the paycheck and, and the money that they're getting, having purpose and being able to do something is very important. Um, not be going from having something that's keeping you busy, keeping you occupied, a, a job and a purpose, and then moving to nothing. I think that's very hard um, just from a, a mental standpoint. And so for a lot of them, they're people we've worked with for a long time. And even if, you know, some people would call us and say, I don't need to be paid. I just want something to do. And our, our stance is, of course, we're going to, you know, we always pay and we, uh, they w we don't have any work right now, but we're going to keep pushing. And um, luckily we started building these, these outdoor dining structures and, and knock on wood, uh, you know, everybody's happy. We're, we're moving forward with them and, and our, our people are, are doing good work. What's the lead time to get one built. And then once you start putting a nail in the ground, how long does it take to build? Uh, so when someone says go, it takes yes. us about a day to get the materials and then uh, three days to build. Um, that's average. So uh, literally when someone says um, go, we, we build the next day and we can finish it within that week. Our main, our main focus is to make sure that they don't have any gaps or lapses in service. So building it fast is key. So a lot of these people have some sort of outdoor setup initially, uh, and we will build the initial structure within the first day and then do the finishing touches over day two and three. So they don't have any gaps in their service and they can maintain their revenue. That's very important um, for us to maintain and also for, for the restaurant owner. There's so much talk about restaurants hurting through this, and, and we all know that's true. Have you been worried about getting paid? Um, no. And okay. for the most, you know, we, we operate a lot on, on trust and people's word. And a lot of people within, you know, I think this sort of situation are working through people. We haven't been, um, uh, you know, shut out. And for the most part, these are businesses that are operating. Um, they, they have a really good relationship with the people who are actually building them and, and they build a personal relationship with them. And so if they, uh, changes that they want or anything that they want to sort of fix in the process. We're not a, you know, if anybody has built anything, it, you know, we're not, we don't do change orders. So we're very much in the, in the realm of customer service oriented. We, we started our business as a zero change order business. That was our, our whole thesis was 
the change order mentality unless it's a dramatic you know change in what people want and we're actually changing the design thesis uh, we'll, there will be no change order. So we're, we're keeping that same sort of motto and that customer experience, which I think has led to some of our success in this outdoor dining realm. But, you know, knock on wood, no one has uh, not paid. Um, you know, I, I, and if someone, if someone weren't uh, willing to pay for any financial reason, we, we would work through that with them and sort of understanding uh, if there's a payment plan they need or any support that they need to sort of get that paid. And and last question, it's two parts. Any, I would assume through a pandemic, get some really interesting or funny stories and or um, one or two of the projects that you're most proud or, or excited about that, you know, people should go and check out. Uh, I I will not name any restaurants specifically because okay. then other restaurants will be will be very mad at us. I, 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 I um, knew I was running that risk. <laughs> I would say I would say this. I would say um, support your local businesses. Try to go as local as possible because people who have a small business are, you know, they're feeding their kids with with the money that you bring in. They're feeding, you know, the workers on their staff. Like it's so important to to support people who are local and who are starting these businesses because it's it's hard for them. It's hard for them to continue on, and and it's it's an important part of uh, you know the the identity of the community to keep local and small businesses alive. I, I, I had read a previous interview you had done where you said something to the effect of in, in New York City, you, you don't live with the backyard and the, the city streets become your backyard. So you kind of need to embrace what's going on out there, right? Exactly. New York is, New York is a beautiful city. I'm biased. I was born and raised in New York. I love New York. And I am a firm believer that you know, in order for New York to survive, you need to have, you know, small businesses, you need the deli, you need, you need someone that you say hello to and you grab your coffee from in the morning. It's a, it's a community, even though it's a big city and keeping that ecosystem alive is, in, is imperative. And so, you know, in, during 9-11, during all these different horrible events that New York has been through, New York has come together as a community. I think even today, uh, through COVID, socially distanced, people are coming together um, and supporting one another. And it's, it's, it's beautiful to see, um, even in, during this strange time. Ar Arshan, I could not agree with that more. People have asked me because they, they know I live in Manhattan. What's it like here? And, and I've said, New York has lost a little bit of its feisty edge. It's much more community. I mean, it always had community, but I found people much more pleasant and like communal and on the same side over these last you know nine months. So I, I, I totally agree with that sentiment. <laughs> Exactly. Um, Arshan, thanks for joining. This was great, really informative. And, and to our listeners, feel free to email me at mark.penzener at bernstein.com or call me at 212-969-6655 with any questions or comments on this podcast or any other topics that we've covered over the last year or, or, or longer. And make sure to like us, review this podcast wherever you listen to it, whether it's iTunes, Google Podcasts, et cetera. That really helps other people catch it and, and help spread the word. Until next time.